HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and this is a really special episode. Uh, we're actually taping this uh, on the last day of the Raw Wine Fair, but this is going to air in about a week from now, and it will be my last episode for some time. Um, as those of you who are listening have probably noticed, uh, I haven't been taping the show as regularly And that's because I'm in the process of opening up uh, Fausto Restaurant uh, in the former Franny space. And it's getting really close, guys. We're we're less than a month away. Um, We're hoping to open mid to early December. And it is kind of crunch time for me. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm going to miss In the Drink, but it will come back in 2018. I'm really excited for for the return. Um, But in the meantime... I hope you guys can follow me on Fausto Brooklyn on Instagram and come visit in uh, in December when we open. It'll be really exciting. Um, I also want to, uh, I know that for those of you who are wine lovers, uh, have probably been paying attention to uh, what's going on in uh, the Napa Valley uh, with so many crazy things going on in the world. Um, this is just the one that, uh, you know, obviously affects the wine industry most. Uh, um, it's pretty devastating what, what has happened there, but uh, we're, we're all thinking about uh, our friends over uh, over in California. Um, now for fun stuff, I'm really excited about, uh, about our guest today. Um, we have just two rock star winemakers in, in, in the studio. They're, they're uh, blushing and laughing at the same time. They're humbly laughing. 
Um, these are wines that last year were, they were at the Raw Wine Fair, but uh, were barely around New York. And I feel like every cool wine list has the wines of Gut Ogau on them. Um, they are amazing wines from Zabergenland in Austria. And in the studio, we have Stephanie and Edward Chep- <laughs> Chepe Iselberg. <laughs> Oh, I practiced it and I messed it up. I'm so excited to have you guys in the studio. Thank you thank for you so inviting much. us. Hello, thank you. Uh, thank you also for, uh, I know that you're in the middle of raw wine of the fair today and you jumped out of the show in order to, to come yeah. to this show. Uh, it's so, super busy and uh, yeah, we are so excited to be here and that you invited us and um, I need to say something because we have also three kids and mm-hmm. they know that we are now on the radio station. I have to say hi. If not, they will kill me when we are at home. <laughs> you have to say it. Yeah. 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 Hi, Magdalena. Hi, August. And hi, Matilda. It's, we are not the Kelly family, you know. It yeah. doesn't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like the family on your label. You don't yeah. take the whole episode to say hi to everyone. And, exactly. Uh, well, hi, guys. I hope they're, and they're back in Austria right now. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, yeah. hi, thanks for listening. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, yeah, I mean, I imagine, I feel like your, your, the, 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 your wines are in all these cool restaurants in New York right now. Um, how did, how did they, how did, I feel like you guys came out of nowhere and now, I mean, certainly the wines are extremely high quality and they deserve to be, to be all over, but how does that even feel? How did that happen that, that so many people got excited about them so quickly? I don't know. Also for us, it's very strange, you know, but uh, New York is such an amazing city for us. It's so much full of energy. People are so open minded and asking questions and um, yeah, being open and we get so much um, respond of the wines and people are so kind and um, we get also so much um, uh, compliments, which are crazy, you know, like and we are super humble to be part of also raw wine fair because it helps all our the growers who are uh, going in this natural approach and yeah it's a perfect platform and also we need all your the restaurants all the good sommeliers to to yeah give the idea what we have to the guests and um, yeah it's great for us and after all you have to say uh, the way we understand wine the way we grow wine is a very sensitive matter so actually only a couple of years ago we were kind of shying off to to bring the wines overseas to the States because we didn't know how they would be treated there. And finally, like uh, since a year approximately, uh, the wines have arrived there. And thanks to our partner, Jenny and Francois, who's bringing the wine in, we can really rely on them placing them in the perfect places where they are treated with care. And that's what they need as well. Now, I know that a lot of producers who go to Raw Wine Fair also go because they're looking for... A, a new distributor in, in New York, and now that you have an established distributor, what's the value for you guys? Especially you make not not a, a lot of wine, right? And there's a high demand for them. But what's the value for you to go to a fair like this? Yeah, I think, like Edward also said, it's all about energy. It's all about personalities. And also, that's why we described also our wines as they would be person. They are fictional faces. And it's all about, at the end... Yeah, the wine is sold, but we love to see who is selling it and who is getting in touch with it and who is drinking it. And this is, it's, yeah, it's something very personal also for us. It's not only a business. It's, uh, yeah, it's our life. It's, yeah. And and since these are literally living wines, they are full of life and full of energy. Also for us, it's so exciting to see how they behave in other places. And that's the feeling we have with our wines. We would never say we know them 
deeply because they would always surprise us whether when we have them when we get to meet them again where we get to meet them with which company and we can tell now after since we've been last year at the raw and now we are back they really feel comfortable here in your area and that's also good for us to know and to see how well behaved they are even though we can't always follow them to the states wow are there some areas where they don't behave so well as in new york <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm just I take a lot of pride in knowing that they behave well here I, I like that on some level um, but yeah. are there places where you're like maybe we'll focus more yeah, not, we not can, that you should talk yeah, bad we about can somewhere else definitely tell because again we're talking of energy mm -hmm. of emotions and wine is a drink which can really transport these emotions much more than, than most of the other drinks can and they are sensitive so we realized wherever people are open minded wherever people are ready to think out of the box. Mm -hmm. This is where the, the wines feel at home instantly, instantly and they don't need to warm up. They're just there. And certainly, I mean, New York is the place where people are so much open-minded and, and always free in their mind. And that's why probably it works so well also here as in the rest of the States as well. Mm -hmm. And w was it like that when you first started back home as well? Because I think it was a little bit of a departure. Bergenland's known for uh, high-quality red wines, but your style is maybe a little bit of a departure from the, the common Bergenland wine. Yeah, what we think, it's like, um, I don't know if you know Burgenland. It's like really different from the other part from Austria. It's... It's not only Alps and um, yeah, the sound of music uh, picture what you have in your mind. It's like really silent. It's flat. It's um, it's beautiful, but it's not superficial beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's something, yeah. Maybe on the second glance, it's it's getting you this uh, landscape. And I think, yeah, the wine really show also exact the same thing what the landscape is doing. You know, like um, yeah, they're also. Maybe second time uh, on the second uh, glance, beautiful than than the landscape is. And can you tell us about how you uh, started the winery? I think two thousand seven was when you first came together to to do it. And you're a married couple, yes. Yes. <laughs> and how did how does that work out? How did you start the winery? <laughs> it's been exciting times, like ten years ago. But we met each other and we very quickly got engaged. And we knew we, we would want to create something together. At that point, when we met. We didn't think necessarily about growing wine. It could have been something else as well. But then we decided to go for that. And yeah, we, we found this beautiful place which we could get back in shape. And we had these old vineyards. And like one thing came to the other. And for us, I mean, I come from a wine growers family. So um, I didn't, I wasn't trained to be a, a winemaker, but still I had some idea. But Steffi is from restaurant business and studied photography so she was certainly the one who was more like free in her mind and and that brought us quickly to the path where we said okay we actually we want to let loose everything which which was so typical at that time for viticulture in the area and everything which is were so educated and trained to a certain extent and we could start from scratch but we had this amazing background of the old vineyards and the tradition of this devastated estate and that was how we started and we didn't have any clue of the outcome we never thought that 10 years later we would sit next to you and have a radio <laughs> interview in new york so it's a really crazy story but a journey for us you probably thought it'd be more glamorous than sitting in a shipping container <laughs> in the back of a pizza <laughs> restaurant but actually we want to be in the late night show but <laughs> <laughs> it's the first step maybe yeah. <laughs> you can practice you can practice here um so i know the vineyard that you found was one that had been in abandoned almost right it was in it was in, in bad shape 
shape. And um, from what I read, it was uh, no one had made wine there for about 20 years. What happens to vines when they haven't been touched for 20 years? What happens to the soil? I know the vine is a, a creeping plant that keeps going further. Um, it, must, it sounds like it must have been a ton of work to restore it. It was to a certain extent, but the, the story you are telling now is not completely true. So okay. the, the vineyards have been worked on, on a minimum effort, mm. and uh, the crop was picked to, to sell the grapes. So they haven't been completely abandoned. But they've been in a bad shape and they've never been really taken carefully care of in the in the recent vintages. But the 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 vineyards to get them back where we want to have them is still an ongoing journey. We don't think that we've already reached the goal to to get the perfect balance. But each vintage we feel and also we get the response other people feel, there's a huge leap forward every vintage regarding the, the balance, the harmony, the life in the soil being also able to to be shown in the wines and yeah so so it's it's, yeah, it's a lifetime project yeah. it's not something where but you again say, okay. an amazing journey for us but it sounds like in some level you had a little bit of a head start with vines that already had some age to them yeah. right what, what's the age range on the vines there no that they are between 40 and 60 years which is yeah. for our area also already old because um, most of um, the young uh, wine producers they take everything out to get really lots of quantity and mm -hmm. not really the, the quality what we think that yeah the region can have if you are longing for it and yeah. this is also the reason why we said okay let's do wine but we are both uh, very uh, quality driven and say okay let's Let's do Burgenland in the glass. Let's um, show the region in the whole beauty in the glass. Were there wines that inspired you and gave you an idea as to how you wanted to do it or when you were originally planning the vineyard? Not really, but what we hmm. knew that we don't want to interfere and we don't want to, yeah, a, a little bit hands-off, you know, like really, yeah, sh uh, showing the, the, um, the vineyards, the landscape, Yeah, not ego-driven wines, not technique-driven wines, how they are made in the cellar. It's more, yeah, hands-off work a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's, of course, lots of like fellow growers, friends who are, as person, as the approach they have are inspiring. But the wines, you can't compare our wines to any other wines. This is on a very, like, I mean, the way I say it is not because we're so convinced that we have something special, but we're convinced that we have something unique because the wines we produce can only come from our vineyards, from our soil, because they are not in a, in a way changed, there is no interference. So what we always want to pronounce every vintage is this uniqueness. And even if the neighbor would work the same, it still would make a difference. A slight one, but still, because there's another age of vines, another topography, another climate in the cellar, whatever comes into, into account. And, this, and that's, that's, again, the beauty for us. And also not comparing, you know, like also that's why also the, the, the faces on the labels, you can't compare people and we also don't want to compare the wines from different regions and also not saying, okay, ah, maybe this is not that good. And all these natural um, uh, wines, they're amazing because they, 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 talk, they talk their own story and this is the beauty of it, mm -hmm. you know. We're talking with Stephanie and Eduard of Gutagau Winery in Bergenland, Austria. We're going to take just a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Michter's Distillery is a proud sponsor of In the Drink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small. From careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels, to lower barrel entry proof before heat-cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's master distiller says it's just right. Michter's cost be damned, taste is everything attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said, it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit michters.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Michter's. And we're back with Stephanie and Edouard of Gut Ogao Winery. I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name <laughs> this time, but um, I'm you know loving your wines. And uh, I remember the first time that I tasted your wines, my friend uh, Dave Foss, uh, who is a, a big lover of Austrian wines, he went to visit you and uh, Moritz had, had dinner. Uh, he said, said he had dinner at your family's restaurant, and they said it's definitely the best restaurant in Burgenland. He's like, it's outstanding. Thank you. Um, and... Uh, he brought back the bottle, and uh, we drank it on my roof, and it was before they were imported here to New York. So I feel very cool because I feel like I saw the band before <laughs> they played the big concerts. Um, but he is always someone who, um, we did a lot of wine classes together, and he would just always describe wine as people. Like, oh, she's a little shy, or he's like really boisterous and annoying. And he would, he would always describe wines that way. So for me, it was perfect to see Dave bring this bottle with a picture of someone on the label. Um, but I, I think it's brilliant what you're doing with the labeling. Probably the, what you guys, uh, if, if, if you're aware of the wines, you I'm sure know first the quality of how delicious they are. But the second thing that most people know about is the, the labels and how unique that is. How did you guys come up with the story of the three generations of the family and, and the personalities? I mean, it was a fun situation. It, because of uh, in the first year, because we are working with uh, old wines and uh, we don't interfere in the cellar, we realized in the first year of the, the first vintage in um, in the cellar that the the wines have so much characters that's that we decided okay on a long uh, night <laughs> drinking lots of wine okay let's uh, describe them as they would be person fictional faces um, no. No meaning with other family members because uh, some people think that they are real family members. They are not, and um, yeah, and it felt so so right and it was so clear for us. And at the at the beginning, we also didn't think that it has so much impact and that people are so crazy after that because yeah, for us it was normal to to have a natural product and also yeah, and unique product which you um, yeah see as as people. And then again, the different characters is not something which we created in our minds, but it's been created by the natural potential of the different vineyards. And also the family idea for us is a, a reference to show that we, we treat the vineyards with the same love, the same energy, the same passion, you name it. We don't make any difference. And in the end, we wouldn't judge. We wouldn't say young generation is good, the parent generation is better, and the best is the grandparents. But sometimes you just want to make a, a party and you probably 
surround yourself with rather young, energetic persons. Sometimes you want to philosophize in front of the chimney. You'd rather sit along with some more experienced persons. And this is also the the diversity in our region. We have all these different vineyards, these different mm -hmm. plots, and they show these different personalities. But each of them is really, really representative for what our region stands for and, of course, our, our approach stands for. Now, I'm just remembering, when you go back to the Raw Wine Fair, if you haven't met her yet... You should meet Chiara Pepe of Emidio Pepe. Yeah, she's a, she's a good friend of us. Oh, she's a good friend. Because you know her grandfather always describes wine. Uh, he always says, you know, drinking a young wine is like playing with a kid. Yeah, and, it's true. And it's, yeah. it could be a lot of fun, but there won't be as much depth. And then drinking an, old, you know, an older wine is like... He, so he also has the personification of... Yeah. Uh, of wine. Oh, okay, that's good. I'm not surprised that, <laughs> that she's uh, that she's a good friend of yours. Um, have and, the and by the way, we love the wines as well. Uh, oh yeah, me too. Me too. Um, uh, have the uh, the the wines ever? This is really they're really not based on anyone you know. I'm sure there's no. some friends or something. No, but you, uh, it's fun because uh, uh, lots of people see some family members from there yeah. in uh, one of the other phase you know it's like everybody has some relationship with one or the other wine i don't know why they relate to them and yeah. you've hired a local artist right who to to do the labels and are they drawing the labels every year is that right no no the label stays the same because the same. um the character comes from the soil and from the vineyards and uh -huh. from the different plots what we we pick together and ferment together it's not about the grapes, because th that's why we don't uh, put the grape varieties on the labels, because they're for us more secondary than um, uh, anything else. No, he's a friend, but um, yeah, it's uh, he feels like not an artist in this case. He's like more. I'm feeling like a police officer who is uh, has to draw the character. What we are you are <laughs> telling me to do? <laughs> and yeah, and this from the start, of course. It was a question of feeling, but we, we didn't have the proof when we started, but it proved quite quickly that the approach we have, so as Jeffy said, every vintage, the same pieces of vineyards go into the same wine personality. So the really, really strong impact on the mm -hmm. character is the soil, and this is the same every vintage. So we have this recognizability in character, even though, of course, the vintages do make a difference. Sometimes the people or uh, our wine family is a little more extroverted, sometimes more introverted, sometimes like well-fed, sometimes a little more on a diet, but the character personality is the same, and so we didn't feel the need to redraw the faces. Okay. So we have it. these deep roots, which are mm. the predominant um, character-giving giving aspect. And then is vintage, and only lastly, and this is not important, is the grape varietals. Interesting. And you're a you studied photography, right? So an analogy that I always like to use, I don't know, if, I'd love to hear if you agree or disagree with this, is that, and you have a, a, a grape, it should be like, like the lens of the camera. Because if it's the, right, if it's the right lens or it's the right grape for the soil, then you can show, you can really show the soil well. But if it's the wrong one, then it muddies, course, it yeah. muddies up the... <clears throat> And yeah, the, right. the lens isn't the most important thing. The grape isn't the most important thing. Exactly. It's, it's, it's showing the, the subject and the, and the soil in this case. Yeah, you're right. Yes, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> From my opinion, yeah. you're right. <laughs> if it's okay, we will quote you in the future yeah. because it's also a nice idea for people to, to make them aware. In, in modern understanding of wine, the grape varietals, especially in our area and like in the German-speaking countries, is far too predominant mm. in, in understanding wine. In the Roman countries like France, Italy, Spain, the story is a little different because those are countries which 
by tradition are much more terroir driven than than the german speaking countries are and we are really lucky to have these old vineyards because they've been mainly planted in the 60s 70s and that was the time when still the the focus was on the on the traditional austrian varietals and those have been in the area for centuries and why because again it's a good lens for the for the region for the terroir there is so we didn't feel the need to question this and we are happy to work with these grapes showing the terroir much more than their grape typicity mm-hmm. and uh, i'm really happy to hear because this is something i've said to uh, wine people or people who aren't as interested in wine, but no one, never anyone with a photography expertise. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy about this. Steffi, Steffi <laughs> studied photography, so she knows exactly what it's all about. Uh, so can you tell us about your 2016 vintage, which I know is a departure from what you, what you normally do? And yeah, uh, it was uh, <coughs> looking at a bottle right now that you brought along. Yeah. Yeah, 16 was a little bit crazy for us, but um, yeah, we did the best out of it. We had in, I think, uh, end of April. I'm never so sure about it because all these negative uh, things I erase in <coughs> my brain. <laughs> I think it was end of a- April, yeah. May. We had like three days in raw um, frost. And um, in summer we had also hail, wow. which hit <coughs> us really, really hard. And then um, we went through the vineyards and we decided because of uh, the small amount of... Um, grapes what we have that we only produce three wines it's like one white one uh, rosé and one red it means like we took all the vineyards for Timoteus, Theodora, Emmeram and Mechthild for the white wine um, rosé is uh, Winifred and uh, Josephine and the red is uh, also very special for us it's uh, Pertoldi, Athanasius and um, Joshuari and also here the idea was and this we started already in 15 to say um, we don't make any differentiation. I mean, maybe it's a little bit sophisticated, but we are so into some idea of wine and we live it every day. And of course, we question everything. We discuss a lot of stuff. And yeah, t- sometimes we fight. And, you know, it's all really? this p- production <laughs> coming together. And we decided that, um, yeah, white and red uh, vineyards, we treat the same. And why do we do a differentiation in the cellar? Who is saying it that uh, red wine needs to be treated like this and the white needs to be treated uh, like the other way? And that's why in 16 we said, okay, we close the gap between white and red. And it means they are both uh, vinified in the same way. It's only uh, red grapes and the other one is white grapes. We don't want to discriminate one or the other color. So does that mean uh, skin maceration with the white grapes? Yeah, it's like um, with both wines, we had like a minor part is on skins and Mm -hmm. uh, a major Mm -hmm. part is uh, directly pressed. Okay. And uh, so a a shorter time on the skins for the red and longer on the white for, for this vintage. So... They're, do they but all spend the same amount of time on the skins? And yeah, the yeah. exactly the it's same. Exactly the wow. same. It's only red <laughs> grapes and white grapes. So you close your eyes. You don't differentiate by the color or by the making. Mm-hmm. So you only differentiate the wines by the terroir, which is actually yeah, the, the, the journey, the path we want to go for. We took the, the grapes for granted. We took over what we got. But yeah, who, as Steffi mentioned, whoever said we, we should treat them differently, why not treating them the same? And why we do only partly ferment on the skins is because for us it's the perfect balance between the structure we have, the fruit, the elegance, and this very particular crispy, fresh minerality, which is better to be pronounced for our understanding if we reduce the impact of the skins, of the skin contact. 
at the end, you know, our goal is or where we would like to see our wines, it's like, yeah, that you close your eyes, you drink a glass of um, um, good orgau and you are having this feeling that you're sitting in this region, you're having the soil in your mouth and it's like maybe reading a good book, you know, you, you also go deep in this, um, in this uh, story and at the end maybe we want to tell the story of our region in a glass of wine. And are you able to taste the soil in the same way as in the previous vintages, even though it's a different idea? So the terroir is still pronounced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. even sure. more and more. So <coughs> mm-hmm. that's again what, what we simply realized, that through working biodynamically, the soil is more and more releasing the, the character it has. So it's, of course, quite obvious because we're we building up life in the soil, and it's really important to have a lively soil, a balanced soil, to have the chance for the roots to get on all the minerality and all the, the particular matter which is in the soil. If, the, if you have a dead soil, there might be even lots of minerals inside, but they are not available for the roots. So we need to have this balanced, lively soil, and that's what we are working for. And you, you guys are now certified biodynamic, is that accurate? Yeah. Is that something that you sought to do from the first vintage? Yeah, <coughs> for us it was... Always. Yeah, I mean, for, uh, for us, it was no question that we do a certification because, yeah, for us, it, it's, it felt right. And for us, it's mm-hmm. also like, yeah, the wines are here in New York or uh, everywhere else in, uh, in the world. And, yeah, why not uh, showing mm-hmm. open how you work and, um, yeah, no, no having... Um, yeah. In the end, in the end, we are Demeter certified, and Demeter is an international certification for for biodynamic farming. But it's much more than this. It's kind of an, a group of interest. Uh, so there's an exchange and everything. And in the end, we want to, to a certain extent, build up the confidence or the the trust mm-hmm. as well <coughs> through the label. And yeah, and it's ag- also lifestyle. You know, it's um, it's not only working in the vineyards like this. It's like yeah, how you live your life, how you treat uh, your animals, how you treat your kids, how how you you yeah you see the uh, world maybe differently. Can you give us an example as to how a biodynamic lifestyle uh, pertains to your life outside of wine? And a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of things, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you simply start questioning lots of things, mm-hmm. and this is kind of also a natural development. In the end, also when we started, for us it was more like a way of production than a way of living. But seeing and living according to the, the rhythm of nature s- makes you, to understanding, very humble. And you need to accept, if you go the, the, the road we go, that you can't control everything. I think modern humankind is always tempted to think we can control nature, we can have everything under under our our like idea whatever but there's so much which nature can give us and we can accept it and we can take it for granted but we will never understand and especially working biodynamically you are working with the rhythm of nature with the energy with vibes whatever comes from the cosmic comes from the soil and we are simply too small to to realize why things are happening and what drives things but we can simply accept and that's something which probably modern humankind lacks a little you know this this humbleness towards nature and if you if you get this feeling of course you question the way you consume the, the question you treat other people the, the the social aspect of working with other people integrating other people in the work all these things so we're certainly this is also something which 
is a problem in modern agriculture. We are accepting that we can't grow every vintage, we can't grow every year. It's not possible. On a personal scale, yes, mm -hmm. but economically it's simply not possible. We have to accept sometimes we have more, sometimes we have less, sometimes nature is more giving, sometimes nature is more reluctant to give. And, and that's something which is probably important to come back to this point as well in, in modern economy in general, in modern thinking. Yeah, and doing maybe also when something negative happens, do the best out of it, you know, without... Yeah, everything has a reason. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, uh, I really appreciate it. And I think that's a really great way for us to end. Um, I'll let you go back to your, I'm sure, extremely busy table at the Raw Wine Fair. Uh, and I, Stephanie, Edward, it was such a pleasure to have you. Thank on. you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Um, I, and sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I hope nobody's blaming us that it's your last, last show. <laughs> 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 no, no, you can blame Fausto Restaurant. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, good luck for that. <laughs> yeah, all the, best, all the best. I'm yeah. trying to go out on a high note, is the idea. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'll, we'll be back in, in 2018 for sure. Um, and we'll be back as well. Uh, you'll be back as well. Yeah. Great. Yes. Um, and uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, I absolutely love your wines. The Gutegal wines are just absolutely beautiful. Um, they're at a lot of great restaurants in Brooklyn, I think here as well at, at Roberta's. Um, so it's been a, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so thank much. You, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And thank, thank you all of you for listening. Uh, it's been a, a great year of In the Drink. It's the end of my fifth year. And it's been it's been such an honor. I know that there is a uh, Heritage Radio uh, fundraiser going on. So if you go to heritageradionetwork.org um, and donate, that would be very appreciated. It's what keeps this kind of programming going on. So please go ahead and do that. And uh, if you could follow us at uh, Fausto Brooklyn on uh, Instagram, uh, you can see all of the updates and everything that's going on. Uh, thanks again so much for listening. Uh, this has been Joe Campanelli for In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.